Hello, Michael here with a quick disclaimer. The episode that you are about to listen to was originally recorded as a live event, meaning that it was recorded and streamed over our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy, or broadcast as a live event or recorded as a live event for our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash the RPG Academy. Hopefully you will understand why the audio quality of this episode is not quite up to the same standards you have come to appreciate and expect from our show. And on the off chance that when you listen to this episode, you don't really notice a difference between this episode and a regular episode, don't say anything, because that will make me cry. Thanks, and enjoy the show. I don't know what the delay is between when you stop and when it starts, so I'll assume that we're live. Yes! Hello, and welcome to Detention, live uh, from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and tonight I will be in charge of you hooligans and academaniacs, uh, and I have brought along some guest professors with me to uh, help because you guys are out of control. To my right on my screen, I have no idea what it looks like on, uh, on the show, is Scott. Scott, say hi to everybody. Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. Excellent. And below him, again on my screen, is Matthew. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the nonsense. (laughs) And uh, below me and to Matt's left, again on my screen, is Chris. He is the GM from the Redemption Podcast, which is a Star Wars actual play, and is part of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. Chris, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Excellent. Uh, So if you are new here to detention, basically this is kind of a more of a laid back casual conversation. Uh, We somewhat hang some RPG talk on it, but it's more about just kind of hanging out more than anything. Uh, But we always start with extracurricular. So this is where we kind of go around the horn and we talk about what we're doing outside of our RPG lives, what we do when we're not inside the hallowed halls of the RPG Academy. Chris, since you're our guest, you want to go first? Uh, Sure. Uh, First, hey, Matt. What what are we drinking tonight? Oh, tonight we have a Blue Moon Cinnamon Horchata Ale. What do you got, Chris? Oh, a uh, whiskey sour. Oh, fancy. Fancy doodle. What are you drinking, Michael? Uh, I'm drinking an L81, which is a ginger <laughs> ale. It's really good. I uh, was drinking, but I'd finished a water in my RPG Academy lasered glass. <laughs> nice. Branding. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do here this weekend i just got back from marmalade dog a convention up here uh it was pretty good i ran a couple star wars games played about nine hours of zombie side which in a row I've never played before uh between two days okay we played so one game it was like Saturday one night. marathon uh Damn. played one game one night and the next game the next day we beat two of the hard levels, which everybody else was surprised. I just used common sense and thought it went well. Yeah, shoot the things um, that aren't otherwise, breathing. Gotcha. Well, see, that's the yeah. trope of horror is that you don't do the right thing because it makes things more dramatic. So if you actually do the right thing, it's more manageable. <laughs> Fair enough. Nice. Uh, otherwise, just get, getting ready for uh, the, the uh, catacomb detention this weekend. Yes, I am super excited about that. 
Uh, I've actually already started pack, packing up and ready to go. Um, looking forward to it. But we'll get to that. I'll go last. So actually, we'll move over. Matthew, what do you got going on this past week oh, or so? Jeez, what do I got going on? Uh, I have a game night coming up on Friday. We're allowed to do future stuff, right, Scott? We established that in last week? Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Friday, I don't have an improv show, but my dad's uh, running a... Um, uh, VBCW, which is very British Civil War, which apparently is a uh, alternate history where fascism rides to power in England, and the church also rises up, and there's chaos in the streets, and uh, it's interesting. Chaos so in the streets, but order in the sheets. Am I right? <laughs> yep. Oh, you know it. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'll be doing. And uh, I, I may or may not be having some special podcast guests at that game, but we'll see. Oh, all right. Very cool. Very cool. And then Scott, what have you been up to this past week? Ooh, uh, you know, we're, we're working away. We, we had our season uh, finale for Lawful and Orderly. It was a ton of fun. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good sign, right, when, when you have an episode and then you just feel really good and happy afterward. Like, I had fun doing that. It's so... Um, I think there was general consensus. Everybody felt pretty good about it. Uh, so as, as the first season, it's been uh, really fun and uh, exciting. And I think we're excited to get on to season two. I, I expected to lose about half the performers who were like, you know, that was fun. See you later. Right. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that's half the reason I was like, let's do seasons so that you guys don't feel obliged to like, there, there's a, there's a cutoff point, right? Right. Yeah. Like uh, like a marriage, right? You're like, we're, we're going to renegotiate this every <laughs> two to five years, right? We're going to sit down and be like, do you still want to be married to me? Because I kind of think the answer is no. <laughs> Wait, right. was that an that was an option? That, yeah, man. You, you didn't get the limited term, limited liability, two to oh, five years God, term I've, contract? I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, um, so, so your season break, just again to clarify if anybody is, is curious, not like a TV show where it's like three months, it's just a few weeks, and then you'll be back uh, late March, uh, yeah. April? Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're going to keep uh, streaming at the same time. Uh, we're, we're just going to do an off-season, uh, we'll have three weeks of off-season episodes that are going to be uh, more deconstructed, and uh, we're, we're not going to play our same characters, we're, we're not going to play Dungeons & Dragons, we may play a different system or no system, we may improv around uh, Lanarkhanum, the city that the, the section takes place in, to, to kind of fill out background and backstory, we're going to bring in new uh, performers maybe, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, experimental I mean, and good. you know how to improv in a, in a D&D setting, you just need the magic noise. Nice. So, um, so yeah, so obviously still new to the Twitch thing. We, we don't have a huge following on Twitch, but uh, we also put those on the YouTube page and they're actually doing very well over there in comparison to the other things that we have over there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's not like there's a million downloads or anything, but it's, but it, you guys are finding an audience after the fact on YouTube, which is that's, awesome. That's good to hear. Very, very cool. Shane, <laughs> who, who self-promotion abilities are off the chart, wants to know if he could be a special guest in season two. Oh, you, you, well, I didn't know that, that uh, MUN Dangerous was interested in being a special guest. I'm just going to take that uh, note down right now on my tiny smiley face piece of paper here. Nice. We're, we're doing that. Very okay. cool. As for myself, I actually, the, I missed last week's episode, uh, the week before, which was our first live, uh, we covered Monks. And I feel like we may have been a little ahead of the curve because I've now watched all the Iron Fist 
episodes. Mm. And, you know, so now I'm like fully charged of like monk ism. Right. So you're going to redo army to, to really dive headlong into that Whoa. vein. Whoa. No. <laughs> no. Army is perfect as she is. She's also a better monk than iron fist was that, that was terrible. That did was... you, did you hear that he only had 15 minutes before yes. each fight scene to, but that came out after the fact when people were like hammering them. So I kind of wonder if that was sort of like, you know, damage control mode. Cause I mean, there was some, there was some wig work in that I have not seen since like 1980s sitcom TV shows where it's like, that is not you dude. <laughs> that is a terrible wig on someone not even close to your size. That is awful. So yeah, it was uh, <laughs> could have been better. But I am also getting ready for the faculty retreat, which uh, Chris mentioned at the beginning. Uh, several of us Academy folks are going to head up to Grand Rapids, Michigan for the weekend. Uh, something that we hope will become a annual event. We also invited the VIPs from the most recent uh, Catacon to join us as well. A couple of them took us up on the offer. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I think uh, some of the guys from DMs Block are going to come over one day and uh, hang out with us because they're somewhat close to that. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a 50-50 split actually going to the uh, retreat and not on this show. Yes, that, that would be correct. I get on my screen, top to bottom, not left to right. But I, can I, have, the, I can give you the address. I mean, I, I have the address. It's just I can't make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a thing. I mean, you know, it's yeah. like a five-hour drive for us. Uh, so it's still a commitment time taking off work and that kind of thing. But, mm -hmm. but because most of my conventions now have become quote unquote work and I know that uh, boohoo for me, but I'm really looking forward to going to just being able to play. Like there's nothing scheduled. We're just going to play until we don't want to play. We'll eat when we're hungry. You know, it's like Forrest Gump when he's running across country. You go when you got to go. I don't want to run, run anymore. Run. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so <laughs> I think I'm ready for that. So that would be it for extracurricular. The next thing that we want to do is move into use books. But before we do that, uh, Matthew and Scott, being trained improvisers, like to keep things moving and, and loose with a little game they like to call 10 Things, which I don't know if they call it that. It's, it is called, that. It's called uh, that. So, Matthew, would you like to start 10 Things? Yeah, you know what? I would like to start 10 Things. Scott, 10 Things You Wish That Weren't Water That Was In That Empty RPG Academy Laser Etched Glass. Molten gold. One. Uh, a raise. Two. Two. Uh, the kind of satisfaction that I felt with myself when I was six. Three. Three. Uh, the esteem that I thought my ex-wife had for me. Four. Four. Uh, beer. Five. Five. Something that I thought was beer, but it turned out wasn't. Six. Six. Uh, it was much better than beer. It was uh, uh, a Doppelbach. Which is almost like beer, but tastier. Seven. Seven. It's just beer, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll say a uh, whiskey sour. Eight. Eight. And just good old fashioned whiskey. Nine. Nine. And uh, number ten, more water because it's empty. Ten. Yay! All right, uh, Michael. Uh, ten things that you are not taking with you to the uh, faculty retreat. My wife, one. one. My kids, two. two. Uh, a sense of responsibility, three. three. Ooh, crazy Dignity, four. four. My recording equipment, five. Uh, my computer, six. Six. Underwear, seven. Disturbing. <laughs> uh, my three medication, 
Eight. Eight. <laughs> Dried salami. Nine. Nine. He's only bringing the wet salami, ladies. (laughs) That is right. Oh, um, Cheetos. Ten. All right, Chris. Ten things. hmm, I'm terrible at this. Ten things that you are bringing to the faculty retreat. (laughs) Whiskey. One. (laughs) Uh, Cash that my wife will allow me to spend. Two dollars worth. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Some games. Three. Three. Uh, a cooler. Four. Because you asked for one. Yes. Mm-hmm. A 20-minute drive. Five. That's rough. Six. <laughs> oh, we're not counting that? Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pajama pants, because I don't have to wear jeans. Oh, six. six. There you go. That's a good six. Uh, I'll, bring, uh, I'll bring my dignity, since you're not bringing yours. <laughs> Seven. Seven. Uh, sense of humor. Eight. Eight. Eagerness to play games. Nine. Nine. And a big smile. Ten. Uh, Matt, uh, could you name, let's see, 10 things that would help you get to our retreat this weekend? Uh, Winning the lotto. One. One. Finding a pot of gold. Two. Two. Beating up a leprechaun for his pot of gold. (laughs) Three. Three. Diamonds on the street. Four. 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 Diamonds in my teeth. (laughs) Killing someone for a big pot of change. Six. My wife to say yes. Seven. Seven. My dog to say yes. Eight. Eight. My job to allow me. Nine. That's Nine. meant for ten to just warrant the ability to warp around itself so we can just do whatever the fuck we want whenever we want. <laughs> ten. These are ten things. Ten things. <laughs> Yay. Thank you guys for playing our reindeer games. All right, so we are going to move officially into use books. Uh, this is where we take a look back on a campaign that we played in the past that may have failed spectacularly. And like a good used book, excuse me, like a good used book, we're going to check the margins for some notes and see what we can learn and maybe do better next time. So Chris, again, as our guest, do you have a campaign story you want to share? Something we can learn from it? A couple years ago, I ran a game for some uh, newer, well, I shouldn't say newer. They were younger gamers. And this is a 3.5 game. So I guess it's probably more than a few years ago. And they were the type of group where you start describing a creature and they go, oh, that's on page 46. It's got six hit points. This is what we need to do to kill it. And it kind of was bugging me. I was like, I really want to throw them into what characters should feel. Like to me, I'm a six foot tall guy, but if I walked up to an eight foot bugbear, I'm not staying around. I'm not looking at it going, oh, you're a weakling. I can stab you with my little sword. I'm probably running in real life. So I decided to grab an old first edition book, the Dragonlance setting, and threw them into Dragonlance. And their eyes got real big the first time the fighter stabbed a draconian, and it turned to stone, and he lost his favorite sword. Oh, nice. Yep. It's even better when the wizard the next fight decided to shoot one of the draconians, and he exploded so well it it kind of ended real quick because they weren't real happy that they didn't know how to beat things it died because they couldn't meta cheat metagame that's so sad i was having fun with it i threw him right into dragon lance i even used the money out of it so steel was the most important instead of gold oh Um, wow Oh, yeah. I made the wizard pick a color. He either had to be, was it white, red, or black robed. Stuck him with all that neat stuff, so he had to be lawful good because he wanted to be a 
a white robed mage. Um, I, I went deep into it, but I've also read all the books that Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman have written for Dragonlance, so I know a little bit about it. I was having fun with it, kind of getting them immersed into a new setting. And like I said, they just didn't embrace it. Hmm. So what, what I'm gathering here is that when you started, there was a disconnect because they were having fun, but you as the DM were not. So you, so you changed things so that you would have fun, but then they were not having fun. Yep. So what we need uh, would take from this is we need to find a way to get everybody to be having fun. Because I, I am a big believer that the DM is also a player. They are also should be having as much fun as the players in whatever way that 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 table feels. So what do you think was the problem? Was it just expectations were off the chart? Was it uh, you guys were just on the same page? Is it maturity level of what they were wanting to do versus your maturity level? What do you think led to the disconnect? I think the big thing was I was still a fairly new game master Mm -hmm. and had kind of that old mentality of the DM versus the players. Mm. So I was trying to do a little bit of that. And I wasn't talking to the players in between games. Ah, interesting. That was the campaign that made me go, I should really talk to them and find out what their character's goals and dreams and desires are. So I can crush them. <laughs> Sometimes. Only most there's, some, there's some interesting stuff going on in chat. I will leave it alone, but just mention that it's there. Um, <laughs> wow. So, Ominous. <laughs> So uh, I was on a, in a Twitter conversation recently. Oh, um, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> about, you know, I was, I consider myself now to be a pretty good DM. I have good days and I have bad days. But, in, you know, when I first started, I was terrible. I was terrible for a very long time. And through this conversation and some self-reflection, I think what I, what I realized is that it was because, one, I wasn't in part of any sort of community. I, you know, I played with my friends at my house in my basement. So there wasn't anywhere for me to go and, like, you know, learn from other people. But my friends also being 12 year olds and 13 year olds sucked at communicating why they weren't having fun. So I would run a game and they would say, I didn't have fun, but they couldn't tell me why. So I would make a change. And then, you know, we play again and they're like, well, that's not having fun. So it was like throwing darts in the dark. Like even like we had a good session, everyone's like, Hey, I had so much fun. I had no idea why I don't, (laughs) I didn't know what was the difference between good and bad because they couldn't articulate either. I think that's a maturity thing, but it just reinforces talking to your players. Hopefully they are again able to articulate why so that you know what kind of game they want to play. Because if you prepare a type of game and they don't want to play that type of game, you're not going to have fun or they're not going to have fun. Um, and if you prepare the game they want, but that's not the type of game you want to run, that doesn't work either. So it kind of all goes back around to my big belief in session zeros that uh, you get everyone on the same page before you start playing. But I, I had never even heard of session zero to like four years, five years ago. Like, like the idea of getting together and not actually playing, ha, that's a silly talk. But I see the value in them now that I, I just didn't know about when I was younger. What about you, Scott? Do you, anything that you would take from Chris's experiences or just your own about the play? I mean, it, it really gets, gets in, into the, yeah. And it, it gets into play styles and also gets into like uh, knowledge, right? There's, there's kind of a... Uh, like a knowledge advantage is is the dungeon master, and and I've I've noticed that that some DMs really um, thrive off of like like um, like uh, you know you, you 
you listen to some podcasts even, right? And they have this enormous backstory, right? The staggering universe, this in- intensive world they've created themselves and they're introducing the players to it, right? And, and the idea is, is like, uh, you know, because I know literally everything about this universe, uh, the players can never stump me, right? I have all this information and I can dole it out to them. So you have this like power imbalance via via information or knowledge, right? And, and like the Monster Manual is kind of the same thing. Like this is my book of facts. You do not have access to the facts. You must come to me for them, right? It's um, kind of a kind of a lordly thing, and, and I've definitely played in games that were the opposite, right? Where where um, you know DMs are like, uh, you guys tell me what the universe is, right? Like like Wushu or or uh, you know really deconstructed uh, uh, systems. Or or uh, speaking of of Mundangerous in the chat, uh, he ran me through my one and only game of Fiasco. Yes, fiasco, and uh, that that's another uh, you know information equal playing field game. So I, I think it's important to understand, you know, n- not just what your players want, and and, and, that, and that's hard because uh, you know I I make software for a living, and uh, users never know what they want, right? Uh, you can ask them if, if they want a thousand features, and they say yes to all of them, right? It's 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 not useful. So you have to get uh, much more subtle ways of of pulling this information out of people, and. You know the difference in stated versus revealed preference is is uh, often important, but but so so that's one of those factors you have to kind of edge out is is how much people want to be surprised, right? How much people want to be uh, feel ignorant and lost, right? Because some players love that, right? Like like murder mysteries and and dark dystopic fantasy kind of stuff. Um, like uh, you you basically never know what's happening, right? Uh, versus like Scooby-Doo, right? If, if you're playing a game of Scooby-Doo, everybody knows it was old Mr. Baker before you take his flesh mask off. You've only met two named characters, and one was a, like a young girl. Like, probably not her, right? So, you, you know, you, you, could, you can run that down. And, and, but, but everyone enjoys kind of having that shared knowledge base, right? So I think it's important to, to balance that out. Figure out uh, how much people want to be surprised and shocked and startled and, and have their expectations subverted versus how much people want... You know, like an episode of Law and Order, where they know exactly what to expect, they know exactly what's going to go down, and they're just going to machine gun through it and be comforted by that uh, knowledge and similarity. So, one of the things that, again, through the, some of the self reflection, uh, again, I had no idea how to be a DM other than reading the book and you know playing and getting feedback from the players, which sucked. But I read a lot of fantasy. I, I've read, read, you know, pretty much my my younger life. I read all the time. And I was trying to recreate some of those stories. And I'm, I'm sure I stole in some cases, you know, entire plots from these books. But in a lot of fantasy books, there's usually it's the hero's journey. The characters start as nobody. They start as, you know, weakling. And they go through all these trials and tribulations before they ultimately succeed. That doesn't always measure well to an RPG. Uh, it's, it's sometimes difficult to constantly have the players failing because you're wanting them to have that ultimate reward of success eventually. It's not fun to play that. Like you want to have incremental successes. And, and I think what I've learned now is rather than making their life difficult, make their choices difficult. They still have agency, but they have to make the choices and they have to live with the consequences of the choices. And even if they, you know, succeed at kicking ass and taking names, the decision that they made one way or the other can still have some emotional weight to it but they don't feel like they're just constantly slogging through and not having any sort of success or having fun to try to get to an emotional place. that's not really going to work anyways, because it's a game and not a, and a book. So what about you, Matthew? What, what would you take away from Chris's story? Personally, I would take away from Chris's story, uh, flipping the script. I like the idea that he took something that was old and buried 
and unbeknownst to the players and use it against them because uh, sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta smack them down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I once ran a game where I had basically the siege of a town, and it was it was a little one sided, at, at you know against them. And one guy just turns around and goes, uh, "Is this how it's gonna go?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, unless you guys start working together and getting through this." Well, I'm gonna leave. So he turns around and he walks down the main street. And I was playing with figures, so pardon me that I'm actually like moving my fingers. Um, but he walks down the main street, and when he gets halfway down, away from the battle, I just put a, a Tyranid Carnifex at the other side of the the main street, and he goes, "What's that?" I go, "No, it's just at the other side of the street. The, the whole town is under attack. Is that really there?" I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> so he went, "Fine, fuck it. I'll just go back and fight with them." I was like, "Okay." The second he turned around and took his turn walking back, I moved the Carnifex away. That's it. Okay, great. You were exactly where I wanted you to be. Hmm. Interesting advice. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> sometimes you. Sometimes it doesn't matter whether the players are actually metagaming or, or just being assholes to each other because they want to be. You just have to be like, okay, guys. Well, I can also play too, and then. Meh. There you go. This guy turns to stone. <laughs> Rocks fall. You all die. I've, I've never... I, well, actually, I did kill. I did kill all my players once, but it was part of the game. So it was, <laughs> it was like... Okay. What it was, was I was playing a game where they were all demigods of the old gods, the forgotten gods, and they had all come back and they wanted a piece of heaven and hell. So it was them against God and the devil. So I had just a bunch of just like dead people who had been like brought back to life, just fighting them and fighting them. One time my friend looks at me, he goes, what are you doing? And I just had these guys keep getting up and just keep fighting them until I murdered all of them. And they were like, what happened? And then I had them all come back to life, like standing in front of like Zeus. And he was like, listen, you guys are important to us and we're, we, we have your back, but we can't do this all the time. Okay. <laughs> You're on notice. So, so you're important to us, but watch out. Get yourself together. together. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, I used Custer. I brought my Custer from <laughs> from hell, and I had him leading these charge against these these people. It was horrible. Was that a dead landscape? No, it was a uh, it was a D twenty modern game. Yeah. It was modern times, but they were all like one guy was a Minotaur, one guy was the son of Anubis, one guy was the son of Ares and it was just a bunch of different combinations of critters and, and gods. And then I just had all of the shit against them. So that's what I took from Chris's story. Awesome. All right. So we'll circle back to Chris now that you, we've filled your head with nonsense. Um, what would you do differently if you had a chance to do it over again? The big thing I really, I mean, took from that was not make it necessarily just my story, make it everybody's story. And that's one thing that I've really focused on in the last couple of years is sitting down with players and going, this is our story, not my story. How are we going to make this work? And more recently, I've been trying to learn how to do that with convention games, but a little more difficult when you've got that time limit. Yeah, you do have to have a little bit of structure or a little more structure than a, a home game, I would say. Yeah. A big thing, too, is just not letting my ego get in the way. I think that got in the way just a little bit back then. Isn't it? That's fair. Again, 
you know, it, we all start from somewhere. I'm sure the best GMs in the world sucked when they first started too. Most of them, there might be the, the rare exception, but hopefully you get better in whatever method works for you. Uh, m- mine took a while because of my particular, you know, situation. But if you're willing to listen to podcasts, go to conventions, watch YouTube videos, read some books, I think it's a little bit easier to get up to speed a little faster. Oh, for sure. That's what I've been doing. You got to get out there. You got to play the game. You don't just get better just sitting home like this. <laughs> oh, man. If I ran that encounter, that would be crazy. But what if the rocks did fall? Oh, <laughs> that thief, right? Am I right? And everyone died. All right. I'm going to roll new characters. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I could meditate my way to success. <laughs> nice. So uh, anything left in used books before we move on? Well, uh, I guess the the other thing is is were there any great concepts or ideas that you really enjoyed out of that uh, that that campaign that that you would uh, harvest or suggest to others to harvest? I think surprising your players is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I think especially if you get that metagamer, mm-hmm. but just finding an, a way of doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just did it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I cool. think I went with the slap you in the face approach, and I probably should have snuckered it up on him. Some, <clears throat> yeah. Nah. Maybe hugged him instead of slapping him. Nah. Well, and that actually brings up another thought for me um, is when you're playing in a setting that either you created or you know a lot more about than the players. Again, I think Scott touched on it that, you know, di- power differential because you know things that the players don't. But the thing is, the characters should, mm-hmm. assuming their characters are from that world, you didn't like transport them over. So, how do you? how do you make that work? Like, like I, again, I love Eberron. Everyone knows that. If we start playing an Eberron campaign, you've never played Eberron before, but your I character have. has lived there their entire life. How do you let the character be successful when the, without just spoon feeding everything to the player in a way that's fun for the player and you're just not constantly reading them like, you know, essays and dictionary definitions out of things like, well, this is a Warforge and everyone knows, because that's not fun. One, required reading. Two, yelling at them all the time. Three, ruler smacks on the wrists when they get shit wrong. Four, passing notes. Five, secret text messages. And that's we're, it. We're, we're, we're not doing 10 things? Oh, you were halfway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to go for it, but no one's face looked particularly happy. So I was like, you know what? I'm killing my own bit. <laughs> oh, you got to do is bits that called a, bits, man. Is it an abitment? Is that an abitment? Oh, no. It, it, I mean, I was committed for a while, a bit but I pulled but then, it early. Then you abitted. I, I yeah, I abitted. I pulled the I pulled the e brake, and I was like, you know what? Uh, we could we could do something else. I, I uh, Michael did not aid or abet your bit. That's okay. <laughs> That's fine. Nice. Since we just did a bit, do we have to promote something now? Uh, could, last week. Yes. Please listen to Lawful and Orderly. Uh, <laughs> A great actual play procedural police drama put on by the RPG Academy on Mondays. You know, it, at it is. Eight, 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 eight. Yes, eight, eight okay. to ten Monday nights. Yeah. Eight to ten. That's that's and, that's. And since uh, you had, on, since you on had that little paper, coast. on yeah, on the LA coast. coast, it's different. Yeah. Since you had the little paper, Scott, I don't know if it has me on it, but I told you I wanted to run a game one day. I just have to figure it out. Time wise. Face paper. Okay. Yep. Smile. Paper. I know you wrote. I know you wrote chain down on there, but I didn't know if right. if it had room for more Matt. than one person. <laughs> oh, he turned. He turned it. So it's like it's like the contract from the Hobbit. Oh, no, you should have. You should have scratched out Shane. You know, you only have, you only have one per note. You just got there can place. be only one guest. 
<laughs> That's not true. We've watched the show. There's been more than one. Sure, we've had three. Oh, what? Damn. I know, right? I will promote something. Oh, here we go. <laughs> a catacon. Oh. Kickstarter goes live in like three weeks. Hey. Um, tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell somebody. Tell, you, tell your frenemies. <gasps> oh, oh, oh. Are, are you promoting uh, topless children? Is that what I just saw? <laughs> yes. My son just popped in to tell me goodnight. Oh. Right. Bye. 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 I didn't even hear him sneak up. <laughs> Well, that's because he was wearing a shirt. He's like a ninja and shit. <laughs> All right, that's it. The is stealth bonus for nudity uh, is actually yeah. incredible. <laughs> oh, I think I saw a nip. Oh, my. Uh, 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 no, you didn't. Oh, Twitch geez. has a firm shirts policy. There was no nip. There, okay. There, yep. I think that he just got turned on my apartment. <laughs> I sit corrected. I'm that's feeling right. flush. It's, it's dangerous. Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take a drink. Yeah, cheers. Okay. Hey. Oh. Man, it's a bit. Oh. <laughs> you are welcome. Oh. Chris, is there anything you would like to plug? <laughs> While we're talking, you know. Yeah. While we're chewing the fat, shooting the shit. Uh, there's an awesome Star Wars podcast that I do. It's called The Redemption. I think you can see it behind me. Ah. Oh, is that what that was? I thought it said Rebels really long. No, my I giant was, head's in the way. I, I thought it said rendition. <laughs> no. Oh. I think it's spelled right. I didn't actually spell it. Uh, if I spelled it, it would be wrong. Oh, good, good. It's good. <laughs> it is a very good Star Wars actual play. Thank you. Yes. yes. Star Wars actual plays are delicious. And such quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to have a quality Star Wars actual play. You know, the, the the bleeps and the bloops, like there's there's some there's some core canonical things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, let's move on. Uh, our last segment, sort of, it's not well, sort of the last, but we'll we'll explain that later. There we go. Our next segment, I'll say it that way, is cryptozoology, and this is where we take a monster from the monster manual and basically we just kind of break it down talk about it uh how we could use it how we have used it in the past and anything like that uh our guest always gets to choose we've done this twice that's how it's going to be uh, I was about to chris, say always is a strong word michael <laughs> but okay <laughs> just go with it so chris what monster did you choose for tonight's episode uh dragons i mean if you're gonna Dag- go go big dagrons yep i was gonna go Umber hawk but you didn't sound too thrilled about it last week if you went troglodytes, you know, we could have kept the alphabetical Ooh. going. No, that would make too much sense. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I also like that you picked uh, a monster that's like the largest chunk of pages in the book. It's like 52 pages or something in the Monster Manual dedicated to dragons. It's fantastic. Because they are in the title of the game. game. They are. Yeah. They are. <laughs> they are. I would, I'm going to go ahead and say quintessential. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think that word means what you think that word means, but we'll move on. <laughs> All right, what great. Is, what? You keep saying that word. <laughs> so, Chris, so let's talk about dragons. Uh, what do you like about them? When have you used them? What are your thoughts on dragons in games? Uh, I've used them a lot with more the working a bigger story, the longer game. I like the idea of having that big bad guy that's in the background that you're scared of but never quite see. And that was usually dragons for me. Um, 
you know, it was the the thing, you know, and I'm a little been playing for a few years. So I remember the old school where dragons were pretty fierce. I haven't played much fifth edition. So I think Matt, is that you going through the book? Yes. Is it heard? Yeah. Damn. Oh. Sorry. All right. No worries. Uh, I just saw you looking down. So I <laughs> yeah, I was just looking. Down. I was like counting the pages. I was like twenty five. Really, fifty pages? <laughs> <laughs> I also counted. I'm sorry, but I didn't flip one page at a time to count. I just did some <laughs> subtraction. Scott, you know I can't math. This. <clears throat> yeah. For, you know what, guys? Goodbye. <laughs> oh no. Um. I. I like it, Chris. I, I think um, you're absolutely right. They they are uh, well, obviously the the word Matt used, I believe, was episcopal, and uh, yep. episcopal. Yep, they're they're the episcopal uh, monster in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I love them. They are episcopal when you really think about it. Oh, just yeah. putting yeah, them yeah, yeah. putting they're, them right there. They're, like they're the in the title monster. They're right they're really, exactly they're right there. You can't stop. <laughs> but um, you want a kid? Uh, and I already um, got two. How much? <laughs> Wait, should we should we be offline if we're doing this whole like yeah. like trading of human beings? <laughs> yes. Trafficking, I think, is what they call that. Yeah. No, no, yeah. that's what that's driving to and from work. Um, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, the the thing I was going to say about dragons is is that uh, it, you mentioned you hadn't played them much in this edition, and uh, I think they did some nice things for them in this edition. One thing is, is they they uh, ramped up the this this issue of of whenever you want to have a you know your party of four or five or six or eight because you had a bunch of friends of friends show up and significant others fight one single monster. They just they just demo it with the action economy, right? That that has a standard chance, and so they they have. Um, uh, legendary actions now so they they'll react in between their turns with with smaller actions like uh tail slaps and wind stuff right um and that's really fun they've also really emphasized the layers in this edition so so um you know the the layer is supposed to be atmospheric and in a place that you go that's that's very different and otherworldly and it, and it has powers that gives the benefits and that's pretty cool um, and, and I would say that, that, uh, I've enjoyed, I've never used them shadowy. Uh, I've, I've always used dragons just right up in your face, right? If, if there's one monster, I want to just, uh, slap a mid-level party around, right? They've gotten to like level four or five and they think they're all awesome. Cause you know, goblins are no longer a legitimate threat, right? Just throw <laughs> a CR 13 breath weapon, single one drop, like half the party, right? Burn up their flying carpet. <laughs> That's right. You gotta find horses now. That's right. And if you had horses on that carpet, they're dead. I bet they <laughs> failed that reflex save. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, how'd you post the horses up on the carpet? We should have discussed that before. They were gone before it burned up, but I don't care. Because <laughs> they're dead now. That's right. So, again, I'm kind of with Chris. I've been playing for a while, a little long in the tooth, as they may say. Um, and when I first started playing, dragons were always this, like beyond belief sort of creature and they also like they used to be like major spellcasters. so running a dragon in combat was tough because they had you know they could use breath weapons claws wing attacks tail attacks and they cast spells at like a ninth level sorcerer or whatever depending on how old they were because there was a chart you could roll and it could be like a great worm and it was just it was a lot of work to run them very well uh that was in like you know second edition AD&D and and 3.0 as well in fourth edition, they changed it and they made them more of like a creature. 
where they were just more of like a monster that you would fight that was just tough rather than this super intelligent, you know, conniving Machiavellian sort of figure. And I really also liked about fourth edition is they made it where you could scale them. So you could have like a baby dragon fight. So at first level, you could fight a dragon in fourth edition. You know, I've been playing this game for 30 years. The amount of times I've actually had dragons in combat is probably like five. In the fourth edition, again, not my favorite edition, but it did some things very, very well, is I liked how they could you could scale any monster up or down. And in fourth edition, I had my players fighting dragons at a pretty early level because it's cool. It's called Dungeons and Dragons for a reason. You know, you need to go in the ground and fight a dragon. Um, so it seems like fifth edition, they've, they've sort of went a little bit back up the other way. They've added like the legendary actions, but they're not full on spell casters either. Which, that, is a, that is an option though. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can you can make them spellcasters. It gives you rules for it in in the books somewhere. Scott probably nice. knows. Of course. Uh, the majority of time that I use dragon is as a polymorphed figure, like a a patriarch that they work for, and they don't know that they're a dragon until very much later or never. Yeah, I've done that too. Using the gold dragons as a way to influence things and keep people going in the right direction, or polymorphed red dragon who's trying to take over a kingdom i've used both yeah one of my more memorable memorable campaigns in 3.0 and 3.5 days was uh all the players were kind of these knights of the golden claw which was a polymorph gold dragon that they were working for and they were fighting against a polymorphed red dragon and his army of uh talons which is what he called his soldiers and as they leveled up they were they got special powers like they could get like golden scale skins they got uh you know dragon wings and breath weapons and they basically sort of turned into these anthropomorphic dragons as they leveled up and that's probably the longest campaign that actually survived in, in those days a lot of fun i thought you're gonna say the red claws like I, and and the polymorph red dragon is an army of red red yeah. claws they were called talons <laughs> There were five of them because there was supposed to be like this thing where you'd, you'd go up through them and get increasingly more powerful, and then you would fight the actual red dragon. Cool. What about you, Matt? <clears throat> um, I was actually thinking back in my uh, – I actually have a lot of years of experience too, guys, okay? I've been playing for like – You just look like a baby. I've been playing for like 26 years or something. Huh, I started I when I was six. I'm 32. Okay. something like that whatever math right yeah. fuck it but anyway so uh dragons i think i used them a lot more when i was younger like in ad and d and stuff you know you just put the dragon down and everyone just piles on and eventually it's no longer a thing but as the additions went on and you know maturity rose i think i've only used the younger ones like i don't think i've used an adult dragon in a very long time and in my most recent campaigns, I'm pretty sure I only used young, like that was the oldest I ever got was like a young dragon. And they were still like pulling strings for something, but they were there and they were available to kill if need be. But it wasn't like they were this clandestine shadow figure like, yes. <laughs> Although I still want to run that LARP. Who's the, who's the polymorph dragon at the Catacomb? Do we just have a party? And one of us is a polymorph dragon. You have to find and out who it is. it's up yeah, to the players game. to figure out who it is through. Yeah, I think that'd be super fun. Well, actually, we 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 kind of have a um, just stab a, everyone. Well, you have a, a blueprint for that. I, I just picked up a game I haven't played yet. We are going to play it hopefully at the back of the retreat called Almost Got 'Em, 
which is a it's it's like a werewolf game. It's based off that episode of Batman the animated series where all the villains are sitting around talking about the the closest they ever got to getting Batman. Okay. And so it's kind of like a werewolf, but but the werewolf is Batman who is pretending to be another villain and you have to figure out who is the real villains versus who is Batman in disguise, which is exactly what you're talking about. We would one person would be the polymorph dragon in disguise. So once I play that a couple times, we might be able to sort of make our own version that we could actually play at a catacomb. That would be cool. That would be super fun. Interesting. <clears throat> the best uh, time I'd ever run dragons was was white dragons. And uh, in this edition and in previous editions, they have a burrow speed. Uh, in some editions, it's just through snow and ice, but it doesn't matter. I had a bunch of players up in a snowy area and... Um, you know what seemed like a random encounter. I I uh, had three uh, white dragons, but but they came on in shifts. Right, the first round, like the one flew down from. Oh no no the the first round uh, the the one came out of of like a blizzard it was walking right, and then the second one, round one flew down like they saw a shadow of it right and up from past the clouds. And they're like oh god, there's two of them right, and then in the third round the one burrowed up and grappled uh you know the weakest person who was in the back of the lines to really up the ante and everyone was peeing their pants at that point. It was it was a good one. <laughs> It was, it was that, a really good one. That actually so, yeah, reminds three me. white dragons in yellow snow situation. That's Whoa. never good. Yes, I had a I had a white dragon as a as a set piece in uh, the first not last year's a catacomb, but the catacomb before that. I had a I had a dragon like you know wing overhead and then land at the midway point in this journey, and then they got there. They were like, "There's a dragon sitting in the courtyard," and they were like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Can we go?" And I was like, "Yep." And they were like, okay, we're going. <laughs> and then they left. And then they ended up fighting an Indominus Rex later on, but that doesn't matter. So how would we change dragons? I have an idea. <laughs> Matt, how, how do you think you could Make change a dragon? dinosaurs? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I guessed it, didn't I? I totally no, get it. Uh, there's, a, there's a book series that I'm in love with that actually the last one just came out. And it's uh, the Temeraire series by Naomi Novik. And basically she said, hey, the Napoleonic Wars was fun. But you know what would make it more fun? Dragons. So dragons exist and they're sentient creatures, but they've also been brought into the war machine that is, you know, the European nations at that time. So now you have these massive creatures that people strap themselves to and fly into battle like ships and they grapple with each other and they fight and they're shooting muskets at each other and throwing bombs. And it's, and it's a really fun book series. And, um, they, they're less, there's no magic, but they have like some dragons can breathe fire. Some dragons can spit poison, but it's very few and far between. They're mostly just big critters that talk and they do the whole imprinting thing that a lot of, um, animals do. So Mama. like like the captain is the first person who comes in contact with the dragon. It's super fun, and I've always wanted to run a campaign like not that. the mommy, not the mama, not the mama, Bom. not the mama. I'm the baby, gotta love me, big but hot. I'm very cuddly, and that's wow. uh, that's what I that's what I want to do with dragons one day. One day I'm gonna run that campaign. One day, one day, someday, maybe someday. at a catacomb. You beat me to it. <laughs> I was just getting there. Someday out there, I will run a dragon. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you're you're many things, but Bard is not one of them. Yes. Wow. Oh, damn, bringing the heat. Wow. 
I used to sing, guys. Thanks. Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so used I... to. Good, good career choice. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, time for a drink. Yeah, yep. pretty much. It's a good thing I cast these paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, uh, the absolute worst thing I think you can do with dragons in a game is let players be them. Mm. I've oh, had like that be awful dragons? in Rifts. I've had that be awful in D&D, like second and third edition. Third edition was really bad. I've had that be awful in many in different environments. Uh, it, it's consistently awful. Don't let your players play dragons, folks. Well, I think the, the only way I think it could work is that if they're all dragons. But then that's not fun either, because the reason you want to be a dragon is because you want to be Magical, powerful and unique and distinct. Yeah. yeah. So if you're all dragons, it's like none of you are dragons. Yeah, it's, it's like Whoa. playing the Rugrats. It's just like, yeah, we're all t- they have the same horrible, weird thing in common. <laughs> oh. Are you a dragon? Yeah. So, so, so for how long can you be in human society before they kill you on sight? Uh, an hour a day at this level? Cool. All right. Uh, cool campaign, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. See you at 420 tomorrow, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I ran a solo. I ran a solo game for an old roommate of mine, and he was a dragon. Ah, it actually was pretty successful. Solo game. Oh my. God. Yeah. Th- that, that 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 would be the the place where you could do that. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the way it works in a solo game. Yeah, he was a crystal dragon. I think it was in second edition. He was could shoot prism. Uh, rainbow. Yeah. Really? I do not remember that. I know his name, not the time. <laughs> No, his his name was Rainbow. Oh, oh his oh, name was, was Rainbow. Like, I thought that was no, 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 a breath no. weapon. Thank you. That's <laughs> oh. what I thought. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the, the breath weapon was crystals. Or whatever. Uh, he shot out little crystals, like so like shards, like weird. yeah, like broken glass, like <laughs> and they just bounce off things. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. All right. That, it's like yeah. shooting out bees. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That, that's bees. It. New, new dragon. New dragon. Bee dragon. <laughs> the bee dragon. <laughs> Does poison damage. This dragon's so sweet, but it hurts. That's right. I'm allergic to bees. <laughs> the bits, they're coming. Awesome. Um, so again, I assume at some point we're going to circle back around to dragons because they're such a large topic. There's all the different colors and then, you know, you have the, like, the alignment restrictions and older editions and gold dragons were, had to be lawful good and like red dragons had to be lawful evil or whatever and that's, chromatic that's versus... Still case. I don't, I don't think they have to be, do they? I mean, the monster manual lists them as that alignment. That is oh, their well, alignment. There, well, there you yeah. go. See, I always I neglected that. Yeah. If I wanted to have a, a black dragon that was lawful good, I, did. I, I didn't really care, but, but there is that sort of They're chromatic... They're color-coded for your convenience, yes. man. Yes. The metal ones you hug... The 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 you know non metal ones you stab that's that's how that works. which is which is really kind of weird it's like metal doesn't seem huggable you you've never hugged gold have you yeah mm-hmm. oh you just oh <laughs> mm. is everyone else watching this <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like, to change the subject but to like change a the subject duck pillow you just you just you know it's just, just snug right in there yeah. Uh, the you know. the first fantasy book I ever read uh, as a child uh, that got me sort of started in, in my lifelong love of fantasy was called Children of the Dragon um, by Rose Estes E S T E S and basically it's it's the there's a village that has a dragon that is like their dragon 
And in exchange for not going down and killing everyone, they have like a tax where they, every so often they send so much food and gold and the dragon just keeps getting stuff. So they're cool with it. And there's a family that was tasked with being sort of the dragon's keepers and they live in the cave with the dragon and, and that kind of thing. Well, the villagers one day decided, you know what? F that dragon. We're going to poison it and kill it. And then crazy enough as enough craziness ensues. I loved that book. Uh, it, it ends on a cliffhanger and there was what? never another book. So for like 30 years now, I've, I've been living with what I think would have happened next. We need um, to play that game. It's a really good book. If you have young kids, like maybe 10 years old, but children they're, of the but dragon, they're going to hit the cliffhanger just like you did. Why, why would you start them on that? Because it was an awesome book and it, it inspired me. It lit a fire, a passion for fantasy stories. I loved it. And I do still have my copy of it. I don't know, man. That seems kind of like a low blow. Start people on a series that will never end. Yeah. Like I've kind of had a, I've kind of had an idea to use a dragon like that where there's a dragon who like rules this huge territory of land, but there's this tribe or, or congregation of people that go out and collect tribute for the dragon. So it's just like a constant tax. One of the many things in my phone that says <laughs> to do. <laughs> to do. <laughs> no, just like you were saying that, Michael, the books I fell in love with, like I said, were the Dragonlance books. And every book had a different dragon in it. And a lance to kill said dragon. Not yeah. all of them. Just oh. a few. And, and a guy with an amazing mustache. Because they Several had to mention them. it every time he's on the, on the page. Yes, that's true. Um, but that's, that's why I wanted to do dragons, because that's what brought me into role-playing and stuff, was reading the Dragonlance books and kind of falling in love with that kind of setting and how the dragons manipulated the world. The good ones and the bad ones manipulated the world to whatever their agenda was. Hmm. So it's always been something that's always stuck in my head. Yeah, Eberron has the draconic prophecies, which are what the dragon marks represent, that they, they are distant, but they have this sort of grand game that they're trying to play out. Um, supposedly, that's the theory. And these dragon marks are agents of particular dragons and part of the prophecy and you know i don't remember the, all the lore but i think there's some some versions where the dragons are manipulating and other places they're just watching and and that that person becomes part of the prophecy and that kind of thing um and then i had another thought that i just completely slipped my mind there i feel your pain yeah I think once you hit 40, things just disappear from your mind every so often. It's all downhill from there. I, I mean, we already know Matt's not there yet, but someday you'll forget things that in the middle of a sentence. You'll just forget what you were going to say. I do that already, though. What does that mean? Does that mean I should just get in the box already? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's out back. I could just I could just sit in it and hope someone comes along, closes it, and puts it, pushes it those two inches in. I just drink more. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Hang on, guys. I'll be right back. <clears throat> nice. So, uh, anything left on dragons before we move on? Yeah. I mean, plenty because they're dragons. We can go on forever. But, uh, like, I have a I have a campaign idea, loosely based on feudal Japan, where the rulers of the nations are dragons. And the caste system is based on how much and how pure your dragon blood is. And 
I Whoa. wanted to run like I, I wanted to run like a Sons of Anarchy, like ninja style campaign where it's like the resistance against these horrible against the monsters. Blood purists? Blood pur- yeah, yeah, blood purists, yeah. Uh, 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 I mean, dragons are color coded and, and I do like white dragons, but this is getting uh, <laughs> but 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 they do accept other non you know into their society it's just a a vetting process you know what i mean they're monsters come on everyone wants the good guys to win Uh, all right all right all right all right fair you're not you're not playing the you're not playing the dragons they're the bad guys (laughs) i'm free thursday night so let me know when you want to start all right great uh it's uh <laughs> nice. So, uh, so the actual last thing that we want to do uh, on each of these detentions is to take a question or questions from the audience. Uh, so, that since there's a delay, uh, we need to do something for the next couple minutes. So, oh, Scott, do you want to throw out some sort of improv game that we can do while we get some questions in chat to answer? Oh, uh, well, I, I think it would be remiss of us not to play. Where have my fingers been? <sighs> I think I'm going to miss. It's 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 a solid uh, game with a lot of history in in the improv community. So I I watched last week's <laughs> episode. Uh, I have never played this game before, so so the, so the, the the game goes that that uh, we all sing. Uh, where have my fingers have been? My fingers where have been, my fingers been? been? And and then us um, in 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 an order, right? So so like I'll do Michael first, then Michael will do uh, uh, Matthew, then Matthew will do right. Um, so, uh, where have my fingers been? And, and then, then I, I give you a location, right? And, or, and then, or a situation. Yes. And, and then uh, you, you make up a, a, a two-person scene uh, using your fingers that, that involves that situation or that location. And uh, probably D&D related. We're on the show. Meh, we'll see. You know. Well, we can always edit it out if we have to. That's right. We're live. <laughs> but the live version won't be. Here we no. go. All right. <laughs> Where, where have, have my fingers, fingers been? been? Where have my fingers, fingers been? been? That was awful. Uh, yeah. A white dragon lair. It's so cold in here. Yeah? Well, what do you want me to do about it? Turn up the heat. Do you, do you know how much that costs? Like, seriously, like, we have all this gold, and you want to spend it on heating bills? <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> And that's where my fingers, fingers, fingers have been. Where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? We'll get this down eventually, guys. Matt, the Redemption Podcast. Oh, no. Oh, well, watch out. Watch out for that asteroid. Okay, watch out. Is that a lightsaber flying through space? Sure is. Oh, man. Watch out for it. Our ship is a... And that's, that's where, where my, my fingers have been. been. Where, where, where have, have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? That is awful. It's, we cannot. Yep. 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 It's the top. Three of us have delay. to do baseline. It's like, the delay. <laughs> something. Yeah. Chris, online at the soup kitchen in the first town the adventurers show up at. Man, I really hope that they have some good soup here. Me too. I love soup. I'd rather have beer. Me too. I don't think they serve beer here. Let's go to Matt's house. He always has beer. And, and that's, <laughs> that's, where, that's where my fingers have been. been. Where, where have, have my fingers been? been? I said, where, where have, have my fingers, fingers been? been? Uh, I swear it's Scott, right? Yep. 
Meeting the king for the first time. Ah, oh, my liege, thank you for taking the time to see me. For you see, my wife, she has this terrible... <laughs> wife, you say? Well, <laughs> I don't see a wife anywhere. Oh, no, she... <laughs> Sir, my liege, she has this terrible illness. <laughs> Bring this wife to me. Oh, yes, my liege, and you will heal her. All right, I've brought my wife. <laughs> and that's where, and that's where our fingers went. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Oh, my God. Scott did Premonocta. <laughs> It was it was the top of the fingers, not the bottom of the fingers. <laughs> not yet. It's your mind yeah. out of the gutter. So uh, our first question from the, the audience. Gutters. That's where your mind should be. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> cleaning out, cleaning them out because we got Way that April here. showers coming. So uh, Mundangerous okay. uh, asks Chris, Chris, how do you think you've done this episode, given that you've done no bits and scarcely even promoted the Redemption podcast? The Star Wars actual play available on iTunes and Stitcher. I did really well because I tricked Shane into promoting my show. Ooh, zing. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shane also asks, uh, this is for the group, what was the last historical war in which dragons were OP bullshit? Obviously, it was before the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, well, they do do a flashback to the first uh, tame dragon in that series, and it is during uh, Caesar's triumph in Gaul. So I would say they did really well there. And then there was probably some sort of curve. And then once gunpowder came up, they kind of just like were in a lull. So I would say the dark ages is probably where they were really just. Oof. I'll, I'll, I'll file a dissenting opinion on our four judge panel here. Um, Perfect. Thank you. I, 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 uh, I, if you've never played Technomancer, uh, it turns out Vietnam goes very, very differently if instead of Hueys, you have dragons with uh, breath weapons that can pierce through jungle. I want to play that game. It was super <laughs> effective. That's, uh, yeah, Steve Jackson Games, Technomancer. It's, it's an out-of-print setting uh, for GURPS, but it's a great one. So Thursday night, you're running that for me and that? Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Perfect. You know, we, we've never done GURPS as a one-shot. It, it'd take nope. five hours to build characters, but after that, yeah. we're off to the races. <laughs> Pre-gens. Pre-gens. <laughs> yeah, take yeah, Scott. No, you take the five hours. Pre-gens for everybody. Oh, yeah, no, no. You do it at I don't work. I software for it anymore. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> All right. So, Unremarkable Hero asks, uh, in regards to GMing, does anyone do the checklist style system, also known as, here's the list of things that are supposed to happen? So, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, yes, I do use a list when I go and get prepped for a game. Uh, how much of that list usually gets done? I'm lucky if I get through half. But that's because my players like to go in different directions than I think they're going to go. All right. What about you, Matthew? Um, I'm, I just want to quantify that I understand what's going on. Uh, a checklist would be like, meet princess. Uh, find her in castle, kill dragon, like like that, and those are things like notes you want the players to hit. We will have so. to. We will have to wait. Um, oh, I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. Is that how you guys understand it? That's how if, I. If, if that's just, how you're interpreting it. You know. Okay. Like state your I've assumption. Never, never, never do that. I never do that. Last time I rode up an adventure, my players walked by it. <laughs> <laughs> they staked out outside. They looked at it. They went, like, this seems weird. Right out of it. Like, this nope, seems nope, really nope, weird. Nope, nope. I don't, 
you know what? Let's go. Let's go that way. You do know the the enemy is that way, right? Yeah, we're gonna talk our way through that. <laughs> All right, fuck me. Whatever. I'm never writing anything down again. Last time All right. You to prepare. Yeah. What about you, Scott? Um, I I do do uh, lists. That's that's definitely a a thing that I do. It's it's a it's a logical. Uh, uh, sometimes hierarchical uh, way to structure concepts, uh, often related concepts, right? If if you don't want to go full mind map or tree diagram, then like like web, right? If it doesn't have to be a network, if it can be represented as a tree, then then you got yourself a list there, buddy. Uh, and I, I found though it's it's real important what you list. If you list events that you want to have happen, that's going to blow up in your face, right? The events aren't going to happen. Um, but I've been planning a lot of uh, murder mysteries lately with uh, Laughlin Orderly on every <laughs> Monday night, season two coming right up. <laughs> and uh, when, when planning murder mysteries, uh, the point is to make them solvable. And so I've, I've, and I've run a lot of rubbish murder mysteries. If you watch season one, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but everybody else runs pretty good ones. And <clears throat> so I, I, what I started doing was, was you know, first I would list uh, scenes and, and uh, witnesses, but then they'd never investigate the right scenes or enough of the witnesses, right? <laughs> and then I listed, like, like clues, like, like pl- things I'd placed into places for them to find. But then they'd never check those places, right? And so now I just list facts they need to learn. And if they get a successful role, I'll jam one of those facts into it somehow, right? Like, <laughs> oh, your nature check on that uh, leaf? Turns out it was tobacco, the murderer must be a compulsive smoker, right? And now they know something. <laughs> no, 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 you missed that one. It's, you, oh, you passed that nature check on that leaf? You know their name is Kevin. <laughs> they wrote it on the leaf. <laughs> wait, wait, how do I know that? It's actually written on the leaf. Yes. And we have about seven minutes left before the end of the episode. So it's Kevin. Um, so for me, the way I... I prep. Um, I have long-term goals. Like I know at some point they're going to uncover the fact that it's a polymorph dragon and it's going to be cool. But in, in each session, I know where we stopped and I spend a lot of time thinking about where we're going to start and then everything else. I just let them go wherever. So I, I, I try to craft the opening scene. So we ended, you guys were about to try to, you know, assassinate the mayor. So I will spend time figuring out who's guarding the mayor, what the defenses are, who the NPC are, NPCs that you're going to interact with. But once the game starts, I just roll with whatever they do. And I just try to use logical assumptions, you know, what the NPCs, what the resources are, what they want, what, what they were willing to do to get, get that. Uh, and then as the players do thing, I have the world kind of re- respond and react to them. So I put everything on color-coded note cards. That's kind of my system. Color-coded note cards. But thank you very much for the question. All I hope right. we answered it. Yep. Uh, so we'll just take a quick second to see if there are any more questions. And if not, we will wrap well, things up. Since you were talking about the chat, what was the exploding in the chat that you mentioned before? So I tried to look at it, but <laughs> looking there, there at was, it on the there phone. There was a long, complicated conversation about pants. And we could probably just leave that right there. Yes. Pretty much. Well, I usually don't wear pants, so it's not new it's for comfortable. me. comfortable. I understand. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, once the boss said I didn't need to wear pants, I was like, done. <laughs> done. By See, Boston, I actually I looked at the weather no, no, report the for, at work. for Grand Rapids. Because right, I'm in shorts weather here in Ohio. It's not shorts weather for me in Grand Rapids. I'm going to be wearing pants. It was 60. no underwear. but pants. It was 60 degrees today. It's like supposed to be like 46 and 58 over the weekend. But I mean, we're uh, going to be inside most of the time. 60 degrees? Damn. Yeah, it was 60 degrees the last two days. Nice. Awesome. 
that's not what I have over here, but it's still nice. When you move to Michigan, you don't have to worry about it. And then you <laughs> could come so. to the faculty retreat next year. That's yeah. right. And then I could go to that upper peninsula and get some of those delicious hand pies I saw on television. Hand <laughs> pies? Yeah. How many uh, hands does it take to make a pie? Two. Apparently two. <laughs> They're called pasties. Yeah, pasties, oh, I right. Love pasties. Right? Oh, those Cornish not... people sure know how to eat. Yes. No, no, I was not. <laughs> That, this this is not the shirtless show. We're we're not getting into that. If if that's well, if you were talking you t- about pasties, that's, no, no, that's we're not talking about pasties. No, no, we're talking pasties. about pasties. We're talking about those delicious, savory yeah. pies that you eat with your hands. You go, mm. they're so good. They're like yeah. what hot pockets tried to be. Oh, <laughs> failed miserably. Hot pockets. It's awesome. All right. Well, I think diet we hot have... pockets placed we... directly in toilet. <laughs> oh, hot <laughs> pocket. Uh, 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 one more question in, in chat. Uh-oh. Uh, this one's from Mundangerous. Oh, jeez. Uh, question for Chris. What have you learned okay. about GMing from running The Redemption Podcast, a Star Wars actual play available on iTunes and Stitcher? That's not fair. He copy and pasted that. The bit, <laughs> he copy and pasted the bit. Yeah, he was bumping his bit. Uh, biggest thing I've learned from game mastering with this group is trusting that the players have the best intention for the story with this group. Um, and really sitting down and talking with them about it and understanding what their character's goals are and helping them achieve them. Uh, it's a little different with our show because they say when we first started, the whole goal was uh, let us take two steps forward and then smack us back a step and let us take two steps forward and smack us back a bit. So that's how they wanted the game to go. So I've really kind of learned how to work with them on that kind of stuff. Uh, like, I really did learn how to not over prep for games a uh, good example, and I've used this several times, is I had a four-and-a-half-page monologue with Count Dooku and got through half of it before one of the players shot him. In the face. In the fa- yeah. Because that's what you do when Count Dooku starts talking for a page and a half. It's just like boring conversation anyway. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Did you guys yes. hear about the line, the, uh, the, the, thing, the conversation between Count Dooku and Peter Jackson when, when they no. were talking about him being stabbed in the back on Lord of the Rings? We have time for this, right? We have time. Yeah. Uh, basically... The part where uh, Saruman gets stabbed in the back, uh, the the Peter Jackson's like, all right, so I want you to be like this, and scream out. And then um, Christopher Lee was his name? Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, he says, no, Peter, you see, when you stab someone in the back, it's a lot more of a slow gesture. And the, they, the wind gets knocked out of them. They stoop forward. And then he proceeded to tell Peter Jackson about a couple clandestine missions he may have been part of during World War II that he did not know he was part of. And that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee had led a very interesting life Yeah, before becoming an actor. Uh, look it up, kids. It's on the internet. <laughs> Sounds like it. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank Go ahead. I was say, the big thing that I was just kind of wrap up what I was saying with Shane is I really learned how to trust the players to help me develop a story versus me just writing a story. So I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned with these guys. Very, very cool. Again, thank you gentlemen for joining me. Thank you, chat. This was by far the most active chat we've had so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Please tell your friends every Wednesday, nine o'clock, we will be back. This will also be up on our YouTube page at some point in the near future. It'll also be audio only at some point as well. Uh, but you you get the full effect if you watch a slide because I will edit out some some of the things that <laughs> right before you'll see them. Uh, so any last words, Scott? Before we wrap up, 
Uh, no, I, I think uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, let's see, that was the Redemption podcast, right? Available on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher? Google Play. Google yeah. Play. Hey, look at that. All right, good. All right, Matthew. Check out my other podcast, Zero's Talking Heroes, where we watch comic book movies and talk about them. Um, if you're in the New York area, come down to Friday Night Face Off on Friday nights at 1030 and watch improv comedy. Except and, not um, this Friday. Except not this Friday, because I'll be playing a game. Um, and if you like uh, RPGs and you're here, you should listen to uh, our other RPGs on the RPG Academy. Also, come to a catacomb. <laughs> exactly. All right, Chris, any last words from you? Uh, I think everybody else has plugged the redemption enough for me. So, uh, join true, us, a one. true mastermind, right? A puppet yes. master. Yeah, this is, is really all your plan, your Chris. Yep. Yes, just playing cagey and cool up here. Just like <laughs> I get it. The lazy <laughs> game master. I'm in a hoodie. I'm cool. He's he's gonna skip out of the, the office. Oh, honey, how'd it go? It was great. I got everyone to plug my show. Yeah. The, he'll he'll hit enter on that PayPal payment he has to send to Shane. <laughs> <laughs> 50 cents sent. nice all right so for me again thank you guys for joining me thank you for watching uh again catacon in all seriousness uh goes live in three weeks the kickstarter you can get tickets after the kickstarter but it's very helpful to us if you get it through that first uh so that we'll have money for deposits and all that kind of good stuff um so i think that's it for me so thank you and good night au revoir Bye. Bye. wave everybody night. out good night See you later. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.